in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Lord, in these words we hear described in poetic language a profound mystery that truly is the very heart of everything that we believe as Christians. That the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I pray, Lord, that as we spend time with these words as we seek to understand them, that you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts to understand. And Lord, that you would be the light even now that shines in darkness. And we ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. Amen. Well, good evening. Jay is sick tonight, so it's just me. Here I am. And we're all together. And I hope you're not too cold. We're having some issues with the thermostat. So if you want to bundle up, if you want to cuddle up, I won't judge. It's fine, because it is pretty frigid, and not all of you get to wear an extra dress, so fair enough. Um, it's still Christmas. Your tree may be on the curb. The lights may be in the attic. You may be contemplating your detox diet for the new year, but it is still Christmas, because Christmas is a season of 12 days of feasting because it is the feast of the nativity, the feast of the incarnation of our Lord and the readings tonight are to help us meditate on, to delight in this reality that Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, has put on human flesh. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But I do want you to think about the new year. And I want you to think about kind of what you hope for the new year. Because one of the ways that we think about our lives, one of the primary ways we describe our lives is Life is a journey. It's almost a cliche, right? It is a cliche in a certain way. That we're all sort of on the road to somewhere. And there's something that's profoundly true about that. Because we're all journeying towards something. There's something um, profoundly true about it within the Christian life. It's the way the book of Hebrews talks about the Christian life, is that we're on a journey, right? That we are pilgrims towards a city that is built without hands. And that's true. It's not wrong, but it's just half the story, and I want to talk about the other half of the story tonight. Not that 
we're on a journey towards God, but that God is on a journey towards us. That is what makes the Christian faith decisively different. That God is on a journey towards us. John tells us in this gospel reading what the difference is about our faith with this deceptively simple yet infinitely profound phrase. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. The word who was with God, the word who was God, that word became flesh to dwell among us. And that is what makes Christianity unique. Without that truth, we're just another garden variety spirituality. Every spirituality is trying to get towards the divine, towards God, towards nirvana, some sense of something bigger than them that we have to move towards it. But the Christian faith says, yeah, maybe you're moving towards it, but it's moving towards you as well. The word became flesh. To put it another way, that God journeyed toward us. And because that truth makes all the difference, tonight I want to talk about the incarnation as Christ's journey towards us. Not just as Christ's journey towards us, but as Christ's hero journey towards us. Now you may be familiar with the idea of the hero's journey. Um, I first learned about this when I was a senior in high school. So I had this amazing high school English teacher, both as a junior and as a senior. But as a senior, we talked about the hero's quest, the hero's journey. And I was totally on board because we got to watch Star Wars in class. <laughs> because Star Wars is built on this, it's called the monomyth. You may have heard of that before. It's the hero's journey, this idea of the hero venturing out, confronting darkness, winning a great victory, and then coming back to his own to give them great gifts. Um, that's part of the, that teacher, that class, this way of looking at things, part of the reason that I went on to study English in college, because I thought that that was so cool. Um, and I've always connected with this idea of the hero's journey, some of my favorite movies, some of my favorite stories, and I imagine some of your favorite movies and favorite stories are built on this idea of the hero venturing forth, not knowing a thing, someone wise coming alongside him, helping him learn so that he can win a great victory for his people. And Christ's journey from heaven into the world, from the second person of the Trinity, from the Logos, the Word, becoming flesh, that is his hero's journey. That is his journey of light into darkness. Or the way that Paul puts it is that he poured out himself, right? He emptied himself to take on the form of a servant. Um, I love this phrase. It's in some of our prayers and liturgies is that he did not shun the virgin's womb. He did not shun the virgin's womb. He humbled himself. He emptied himself to take on human flesh. This is God's journey towards us in his son. And that's what makes our own journey towards God even possible. Right? We can't move towards God until God moves towards us. And this is worth meditating on. This is worth every ounce of meditation and concentration and contemplation that you can get it, give it because it is the very heart of our faith. And when we forget that truth and we just start to think that Christianity is us journeying towards God and that's all it is, then we're gonna get crushed under the weight of that because we can't do it on our own. We need the incarnation. We need the word become flesh. We need 
God's hero journey towards us. I can say it, say it another way because John says it another way. If you have your bulletin or your Bible, you can look at verse five of John chapter one. It says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light comes into the darkness. Verse nine, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's another mythical sort of cosmological way of describing things, light versus darkness. And, it was, and he's saying that this word of God, this one that became flesh is the light. And he is the one who comes into the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. It can't understand it is one way, that the, one thing that that word means. It can't comprehend it, but it also can't grasp it. It can't conquer it. It can't overcome it. That's part of the hero's journey. And it's also connected to this other story that's very deeply rooted in the Western mind, which is the, the myth of the cave. Everybody know the myth of the cave? In Plato's Republic, Socrates tells the story of the myth of the cave. We're locked in darkness. There's light outside. That's where truth is. We have to get out of the cave and go towards the light. And on the basis of the story, that's how we think about education. We think about education as a journey from darkness into light. It's one of the ways that we describe history itself, right? There was the dark ages, and then we had the enlightenment, which is a mixed bag. But darkness, light, in the cave, out of the cave. Again, it's us journeying out towards something outside of us. But that's not what John says. That's not what the gospel says. That's not who Jesus is. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. Jesus is the one who joins us in the cave to lead us out. Not us digging our way out of darkness into light and God saying, let me see if you can make it. Let's see how you do. No, it's Jesus joining us as the light of the world in the cave. In the incarnation, the light, the life of humanity itself joins us in the cave to lead us out. We have this way of describing spirituality as our, us ascending towards God. But Christianity says that's only true after God descends towards us. We ascend towards him. We can come out of the cave because he has joined us in the darkness of the cave. And the darkness of the cave is the tragedy of the human condition. One way that John says this in this passage is he says, John the Baptist, he was not the light. And if you say that John the Baptist is not the light, you're saying we're not the light either. We need the light. Look at verse 10, the tragedy. This is the tragedy of our place in the cave. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. The light of the world comes into the world. The one who gives life to the world comes into the world. And we say no thanks because we are in a darkened state. One theologian puts it this way, in the incarnation, God unites human nature to himself. What humankind could not do in its fallen condition, God has done in the incarnation, bringing the life of God and the life of humanity into perfect harmony. So there's the movement of light into darkness and the movement of light into darkness is a movement of life into death. 
Or to put it even a third way, it's order coming into chaos. Because that's what the logos is. It's the, the, the reasoned, logical reality of everything that holds everything together. The logos, the word, steps into our disorder in order to give us order. And so what we need is the light that gives life. His light was the light of men. We need that. We need the light that gives light to humanity. We need a kind of enlightenment, but we can't give it to ourselves. We can't get out of the cave ourselves. We can't make our own way to God. And one of the things that John tells us is even if we could, we couldn't see God anyway. Right? No one has seen God, but he has made him known. Now we can in the face of Christ. It is light that gives life. It is life, light that brings rebirth. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That is a new birth, as he goes on to say, who were born not of the blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but God, but of God. To be born of God is to be born again into life, out of death into life, out of chaos into order, out of darkness into light. We can't see God on our own, but the word made flesh has made him known. And now we can see God in the face of Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. Glory as light, as splendor. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And what does he give us? He gives us grace upon grace. Grace multiplying grace, compounding, 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 grace, 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 never-ending waves of grace. Not a one-time thing, but on and into eternity, grace upon grace. That's what he gives us. And it says, no one has ever seen God, the only God who... This translation has who is, at the, who is at the Father's side. It's really this idea he's in the bosom, the very chest of God, the very heart of God, the only God who is in the bosom of the Father. And here's the punchline. He has made him known. No one has seen God, but he has made him known. What does Jesus say throughout the Gospel of John? He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God looks like, you look at Jesus. If you want to know what light looks like, you look at Jesus. If you want to know what life looks like, you look at Jesus. He has made him known. And that is the heart of everything. The word became flesh and dwelt among us to make God known to us so that we could then journey towards him. Because Jesus is leading the way. I was talking about this someone a couple months ago, this idea of the way being narrow. And I always thought about that in a very fearful way, in a very frightful way, that I was gonna take the wrong step, that I was gonna fall off the path, and that it was all on me. But this person reminded me that it's narrow because there's only one person who's gone the path, and that's Jesus. It's narrow because we're following him up the path, not because we're carrying the weight of our own ascent to God, but because he is blazing the trail before us. As the book of Hebrews says, he is the pioneer. You know, he's the one who's going into 
that place first, and he's leading us there. He is making God known to us. And so where we are in this passage is we're the ones like John the Baptist. We're like John the Baptist. We say, I'm not the light. It's not me. I'm not the light, but I know who is. I know the one who is the light. I know the one who gives life. I know the one who brings order. I'm not the light, but I know the one who is. And that's the mission of our faith, is to go and reflect the light into the world, not to go and be the light ourselves. Christ's light can shine in us, it can shine through us, but all we're ever doing is reflecting it to the world because he's the light. He's the sun, we're just the moon that's reflecting that light onto the world. And I think we can, we can get up in our own heads about this, we can absorb bad teaching about this, we can think that it's just us clawing our way towards God and he's there tapping his foot, seeing if we're gonna make it. But if the incarnation is true, that can't be true. That cannot be the gospel, is that it is us climbing and clawing our way towards God. If the word became flesh, if he journeyed towards us, if he was the hero that stepped into darkness on our behalf, then it cannot be true that it's on us to claw our way to God. It's true that he takes us to the Father, that he joins us to the bosom of the Father. I've been um, hanging out with a guy lately who's very interested in becoming Anglican. He's in a different um, denomination right now, but he's sort of like gone all in on the Book of Common Prayer and the collects and things like that. And this morning, he just texted me the collect from today. And I was gonna talk about it anyway, and then he gave me a double excuse to talk about it. (laughs) It's on page two. Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. That's everything I've been saying now, right? It took me 10 minutes. The Book of Common Prayer did it in a sentence. That's why it's pretty awesome. If that's true, then what do we want? Grant that this light enkindled in our hearts may shine forth in our lives. There's a light, let it shine forth in me. I don't want to be the light, but I want to shine that light in the world. I want it to be enkindled in my heart. And what this guy said in his text, he put it in one sentence too. He said, you Anglicans get the connection between devotion and mission. I was like, you get it. That's it. You were all over it. The connection between devotion and mission. How we worship is how we move out into the world. Because if we are worshiping the one who is the light, maybe then our faces can shine with that light. That's our mission statement. It's on the front of your bulletin. Behold and become. Behold the face of God in Christ in order to become more like him, to move out into the world, to love like he does. Grant that this light enkindled in our hearts may shine forth in our lives through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's such freedom in that because we don't have to pretend like we're the light Maybe you've been that person. Maybe you've been around those people who act like they're the light. That's exhausting. You can't live up to that. Let's stop being crushed by the weight that we're the light. Instead, let's joyfully proclaim that we know the one who is the light, who stepped down into darkness, the one who 
on his hero's journey joined us in the darkness of the cave. Let us proclaim that there is a light that shines in darkness and proclaim that second truth that the darkness has not, will not, cannot overcome it. The darkness will not win. You've probably picked this up for me now, and this is gonna surprise absolutely no one, but I have seen the new Star Wars movie. And I have a thousand nerdy things I could say about it, but I'm only gonna say one nerdy thing about it that fits with this sermon. The mythology of Star Wars is built on this insane lie that there's light and dark and that they need to be balanced, right? And you gotta have balance in the force. What's great about Star Wars is that it never acts as if that's true because you always want the light to win. You always want the light to win. And if you haven't seen the new one, there's some great moments about that in this new one. You want the light to win. We want the light to win because we know that dark and light are not equal realities. We're not dualistic people, that it's just a constant back and forth. And well, I can pick one side or the other because they're equal. That's not true. What is true is that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not, will not, cannot overcome it. And this is what we connect with in hero stories. It's what I connect with in hero stories is when the light shows up and destroys the darkness at the moment when you think all hope is lost. That's all over Lord of the Rings. You can pick almost any scene in Lord of the Rings, Gandalf showing up. You think he's dead, but no, he's not. He's the white rider on the white horse and he shows up at the right moment to push the darkness back. And that's what Star Wars is about. That's what Harry Potter is about. That's what Lord of the Rings is about because it's what the Bible's about. Right? I think that we resonate with those stories because it is the story. It is the story of the gospel. The word made flesh who came to dwell among us. And it's not just the stuff of fantasy because I, I've seen it in your lives people who counsel others, people who sit with those who are grieving, people who join people who are in trauma. This is, this is Mother Teresa on the streets of Calcutta, light shining in darkness. This is not just fantasy stuff, right? Those stories tell us something true because it's true in the world, because it's true about Jesus, the one who is the light, who shines in the darkness, who joins us in the darkness to show us the light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, will not, cannot overcome it. Or as Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's pray. Lord God, this, this truth, it stirs me up. It stirs up my passion for you, my love for you. And I pray that it would do the same for all of us. Lord, that we would remember that you were the one that journeyed towards us, that you were the light that shines in darkness, that you were the word that has become flesh and dwelt among us so that we might see your glory and so that we might see God. Help us to see you so that we might behold you, so that we might become more and more like you. We ask this name 
This in the precious name of Jesus, who is the word made flesh. Amen.